just going to be myself. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, we're in a series entitled Freedom Matters. And uh, if you missed last week, you can get online. We do have a podcast, and uh, we're, working, we're working toward it. One of these days, you guys will have a YouTube channel, some of those other things. One of, those days, one of these days, we're going to have us a building because God is more than able. He's more than enough. He's not done with us yet. He started this thing. This is his issue, and we are his problem. Come on, somebody. We are his issue. We're his problem, and, and uh, so blessed to be able to walk in that space. And so we're, we're talking about the victory of the cross. I know, Pastor Mike, you have been talking about the cross, and you've been preaching about the blood, and you've been preaching about Jesus a whole lot. Is there anything else to talk about in the Bible? That weighs, you know, anything else that matters. Come on, somebody help me preach this morning. In Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, we're going to talk about the victory of the cross. He said, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So the Christian faith, we all understand and and, and know this, that the Christian faith rests totally upon what Jesus Christ accomplished for us on the cross for all of humanity. Come on, somebody. Without the victory won on the cross, the Christian would be totally helpless and totally powerless. Amen? Just like every other religion. But since we're not about religion, we're about relationship with Jesus Christ, this changes everything. Praise God. And Satan does not want you to comprehend the awesome victory of the cross. He wants you to live in unbelief. He wants you to live in despair. He wants you to live ignorant of the Father's great love for you and desire to meet your needs. You remember John chapter 3 and verse 17 where God said he did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's good news. Somebody say that's good news. And God has established his promises and his principles in the cross of Calvary. And listen to this. If God would fail to sustain his people and meet them at every point of spiritual, physical, or material need, he would literally be denying the work he's already accomplished through his son, Jesus. Amen. He would never do that. Somebody say, God would never do that. Amen. So 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9, there's a lot of scripture and a lot of points today, okay? There's nine points, but they're going to be fast, okay? They're Pastor Mike, are you lying to me? No, 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 I wouldn't, I wouldn't dare do that to you. There's nine points that are going to be fast, okay? So 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 says, You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for your sakes. Everybody say, he's, he did it for me. You see this? It says, Yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. Amen. So I've got five main reasons why you need the cross and four victories in the cross. Okay, we're going to talk about those really quick. The five main reasons why you need the cross. Number one, you need the cross to free you from guilt and condemnation. Amen. You need the cross to do that. Amen. 
You could go and try to pray to some other false god, and that's going to get you nowhere. You need the cross of Jesus Christ. Somebody say a good amen right here. You need the cross of Jesus Christ so it will free you from guilt and condemnation. We're talking about freedom matters. Amen. And all of us stand guilty before a holy God. Listen, I know you've been in church a long time, and I know you could talk about how good that you are and how good that your grandparents have been and how blessed and how incredibly blessed that you are. But listen to me. All of us stand guilty before a holy God. None are righteous. None can compare unto what it is that God has measured us with. And he's measured us with perfection. Come on, somebody. That's the standard. The only person that could ever meet that standard was Jesus Christ. Now look at Romans chapter 3, verse 19. It says the law, obviously the law applies to those to whom It was given. God gave the law to the Israelites and to his people. Amen. And it says this, for its purpose is to keep people from having excuses. So when you know the rules, you can't break the rules. Do you see that? Can you see what I'm saying to you right here? It says, for its purpose is to keep people from having excuses and to show that the entire world is guilty before God. That's what the law gave us. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing What the law commands, the law simply shows us how sinful that we are. So our guilt before Almighty God is of such a nature and an extent that we could never atone for it ourselves. We need a perfect, sinless Savior. We need a perfect, sinless sacrifice to offer atonement for us. And so Jesus became our guilt bearer. Amen. He bore our sins in his body on the cross, and Jesus Christ, whether you realize this or not, he became your substitute on the cross. Amen? He became a substitute for you. And he literally, think about this, he literally shouldered the wrath of God, died in our place so that we might live for God. Amen? Point number two. You didn't think I was going to be fast, did you? You thought I was lying. Listen, you thought I was lying to you, okay? Point number two. You need the cross to deliver you from the oppression of the devil. Amen. Ever since the fall of mankind, all humankind has been separated from God. Sin separated us from God. But Jesus Christ is the bridge to bring us back to him. According to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 2, it says, You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, Obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Listen to me. Each and every one of us have been oppressed by Satan. We've been tormented by his attacks. But Jesus' death on the cross brought to an end the unchallenged power of Satan. Come on, somebody. You can celebrate right there. That's a good place to celebrate. I love how the book of Acts in chapter 10 and verse 38 talks about Jesus. It said, and you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing how many? All who were oppressed By the devil, for God was with them. God was with him. He destroyed Satan's rule 
over the hearts and the minds of people, and he brought freedom and healing to all of those that were oppressed of the devil. Can you give God a hand clap of praise right there? That's a good space to worship. Amen. Number three, I'm going to be talking about this a little bit more, and this is tough. This was, a, this was really a tough sermon as God was unloading this on me and dealing with me about this. Listen, point number three, and I'll talk about it a little bit more here in just a few minutes, but you need the cross to heal you from pain and suffering. You need the cross to heal you from pain and suffering. Nowhere in the Bible do we read that sickness and suffering are the will of God. Amen? We, we don't look at that. And somebody, you, you, you guys remember the blind man sitting at the gate, and the, and the Pharisees and the Sadducees said, who sinned? Was it his mother or his father? The reason that he's lame at the gate. And they said, it was neither. It wasn't about a family lineage. It's what we were born into, sin. We're born into a space called sin in this life. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, Scripture says, Jesus personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right And by his wounds you are healed. Amen. And sin and sickness, think about this, sin and sickness and disease, they find their source in the work of Satan as a result of mankind's sin and disobedience in the Garden of Eden. Okay? I know it's a lot to understand all at once. It's like drinking from a fire hydrant. I get it. Okay? But I love this in Psalm chapter 31 where King David, he begins to pray And trust God and believe God anyways. And he says this. Verse 10. Have mercy on me Lord. For I'm in distress. Tears blur my eyes. My body and my soul are withering away. I'm dying from grief. My years are shortened by sadness. Sin has drained my strength. And I'm wasting away from within. He had lost a child. And he's praying this prayer. And he's broken. And the, and the situation, he's like, why, why did all of this happen? Why did all of this occur? And here, I want to point this out. King David is calling out to God in his distress, fully and confidently trusting that God has the power to rescue him and that God has the power to heal him. And he literally knew that every aspect of David's life was in God's hand Yet he anticipated deliverance and he anticipated healing because of God's character. Think about this. This is not based upon what you can or can't do. It's based upon what God can or can't do. Come on, somebody. And he is more than able. Amen. He's exceedingly able. Praise God. And God's character is good. And God's character is kind. And God's character is compassionate. And God's character is loving. And God's character is merciful. And God's character is gracious. And God's character is also full of justice. There's a lot of healings that we may need. Praise God. Sometimes God grants us physical healing. But many times we also need emotional healing. And we need relational healing. You know why? Because people hurt people. Amen? You remember the old adage in school, Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words, that's a, that's, that's a lie. That's a straight lie. I don't know who made that up, but they were lying. Amen? Words do hurt. And words can cripple. And words can collapse. And words can crush you. Come on, somebody. So we need healing 
at times in our lives, and all healing is connected to Jesus' wounds. And Jesus' wounds are connected to his death for sin, praise God. And we need Jesus to govern us and to guide our sin-infected souls so that we can live to please God. Amen? Point number four. You need the cross to overcome anxiety and fear. After Adam and Eve sinned, humanity was sentenced to a life of hard labor. When you look at me, you say, I don't want to go to work today. Adam and Eve started it, but you have continued to finish it along. Amen? They were judged and they were ruled in the garden that they would work from the earth and, and from it. They would have the sweat of their brow and thorns and thistles. That's what the scripture talks about. Thorns and thistles. So difficulty and frustration is going to come for the rest of our lives until we turn back into dust. Amen? And Adam and Eve, think about this. They lived in a garden full of God's overwhelming bounty. They were surrounded by everything that they needed for life and health. And now they and all their descendants were condemned to a life of difficulty and effort. Amen? I know, ladies, we have the epidural these days. But God cursed the ground. He cursed the birth. He, he, he cursed childbirth that you would have pain in doing so. That's what Scripture says. Amen? And because of that, think about this. And in, in Genesis chapter 3, you can find a little more information on that. And interestingly enough, thorns were a part of the curse, yet Jesus wore a crown of thorns on the cross when he was hanging there and dying for all of us. And in this very act, Christ himself took upon himself all the agony of spirit, all the anxiety of heart that plague lost humanity apart from God. Aren't you grateful that the fear and the anxiety and the depression and the stress can just be washed away all by the presence and the power of Almighty God? Hallelujah. What a contrast. The love of Jesus to the curse of sin and the curse of the thorns and the curse of of working 40, 50, 60 hours a week just to scratch a living on this earth. But we can experience the love of God. Amen. Because Jesus carried that curse for all of us, we are free in the power of faith to walk the way of God's kingdom. I never said it was going to be simple. I never said it was going to be easy. But it is the way of God's kingdom. Amen. And point number five. The five reasons that you need the cross. Number five, you need the cross to defeat death. Death is the last enemy. He's the last, he or, he or she, I don't know if it's a boy or a girl. Come on, somebody, it's just death, okay? But death is the last enemy. And Jesus defeated death, hell, and the grave. And as he defeated death because of sin, think about this. Humanity was cut off from the source of life. And death is the result of our sin and is the common lot of all people. Last I checked, one in one people die. That's the, that's the statistic. One in one, they die. Amen? One in one of us die. Amen? And interestingly, we, we, we see this, and the Bible tells us this, that the physical death is not the end. Amen? As we must face God's eternal judgment, but through the death of Jesus, the judgment has been removed, and he has taken the judgment upon himself for us. Come on, somebody. Amen? 
So we see that and we walk in that space and we know that one of these days when we step on to the other side, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, he's your Lord, he's your Savior, you're going to a place called heaven. You're going to a city whose builder and maker is God. You're going to a space where there's gold for asphalt. Come on, somebody. Amen. I can't wait to get there. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Then there are four victories in the cross of Christ. This is so good. It's so good. The victory of forgiveness is in the cross. The victory of forgiveness. I know, I know a lot of us talk about forgiveness, but do we walk in forgiveness? I, I struggle in that space, Brandon. I, I struggle in that space. Amen. I, I, I love to be forgiven. I have a tougher time forgiving. Can you hear me? And Christ has covered, think about this, all of our sins. And when we come to him in repentance, when we come to him in confession, he'll never fail to cleanse you. He'll never fail to provide you that freedom, which is our right through the death of our Savior. Come on, somebody. It's a right that I have. It's a privilege that he's given unto us. And the devil does not want you to walk in Christ's forgiveness of sins. He loves to play on our feelings of weakness. He'll do everything he can to try to get you to step back and to lead you back into condemnation and bondage. And have you ever noticed that that trip's not very far? Have you ever noticed that? You know, hey, where are we going? We're going to Six Flags. How far is that? It's about two hours. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Guilt and condemnation are just like right around the corner. You ever had one of your friends call you? Hey, where are you at? I, I, I'm coming. I'm on my way. And they just left their house 20 minutes, and their house is 20 minutes away. Amen. Their house is 20. Aisha Height. I mean, I, I would never call anybody out. I'm on my way. You just left the house. Come on, somebody. You wish you had Life 360 on them? Where's she really at? She's lying. She's lying. Listen, if she said she just left, if she said she just left the house, she's lying. Okay, she's lying. I'll just tell you. But the devil, he'll condemn us. Listen, he'll bombard your mind with negative thoughts. He'll bombard your mind with unworthiness and false guilt. You know what our social media feeds are full of? Comparison. Full of comparison. Look at my shirt. It's cooler than yours. It's got four pockets. Huh? It's got a secret pocket. What am I going to put in a secret pocket? Amen. Look at my boots, look at my jeans, look at my girlfriend, you know, whatever the situation is. And Satan does everything that he can to convince us that in some way we need to pay for our sins. you got to pay for those. However, this is a total contradiction to the teaching of Scripture and to the work of Calvary. Jesus has paid it all. Somebody say a good amen. He has paid it all. He didn't make a down payment on your sin, amen. It's no 90 days same as cash. There's no title loan involved, amen. He paid it all, praise God. And because he paid all of our debt, because he paid all of our sin, all we need to do is receive our forgiveness in him, amen. We just got to receive it. I love that in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 14. He canceled the record. He canceled the record of the charges against us. 
Now, some of you, you, you may have never been called by the hospital, or you called the hospital trying to find out your bill and what you owed. But I remember when our youngest, our oldest son was born, we were a million dollars in debt. And I remember they would call us every week asking for payments because they needed us to pay the bill off, okay? And we couldn't pay a million dollars all up front or, or probably within a lifetime. We were paying $50 a month. That's what we could afford then. But I remember the day they called me and they canceled the debt. I remember the day they said, hey, we've, ri- we've written that off. And Tara and I just shouted, come on, somebody. Because it was all I could do was thank God that he canceled the record of charges against me. Now listen, I'm not talking about hospital bills. I'm talking about salvation. I'm talking about sin. I'm talking about the suffering and the shame that I've been walking in. And scripture says he canceled it and he took it away by nailing it to the cross. And in this way, here's my favorite part. In this way, he disarmed the devil. He disarmed the spiritual rulers. He disarmed the authorities. And he shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. He didn't take the devil to some back alley and beat him down. He did it right there in public. He did it right there in front of the whole entire world. Hallelujah. In a place called Golgotha. Hallelujah. And as Savior... Jesus is at this very moment speaking to the Father on your behalf. And the moment that you open your mouth, listen, the moment that you begin to call out upon God, that very second and that moment and that twinkling of an eye, God is forgiving you. He's washing away your sin to be remembered no more. Just like that. Hallelujah. I'm grateful for his presence and his power in my life. I'm grateful that he calls out my name before our Heavenly Father. Number two, the victory of provision is in the cross. Let me get you here. Let me get you here, all you worry warts. All you stressed out about your job, stressed out about having a building for a church. No, it's not me. There's others. And listen, I... Only wear, wear that stress and carry that stress because I want the best for this church family and I want the best for the city and I want the best for this community. Amen. It's not because I need a building. Amen. But God, oh, he's more than able. He's more than able. And the victory of provision is in the cross of Jesus Christ. See, the devil doesn't mind your believing in God as long as he's a God who does nothing. Amen. The devil is a believer but he's not a Christian. The Bible, said, the, the Bible said the devils believe and they what? Tremble. They believe and tremble. That's a lot more than uh, some of us humans do. Come on, somebody, if you know what I'm saying. The devils believe and they tremble at the word of God. They tremble at the power of God. They tremble at the presence of God. And Satan's aim is to destroy the trust in God that the Holy Spirit brought to life in your heart when you were born again. And by that revelation of the Holy Spirit, we can know God is our Father. We can come to Him in simple trust and simple faith. When I got saved and I committed my heart and my life to Jesus Christ at the age of 19, Sharon, I really had no idea what I was doing. I really had no idea what was happening to me. But I felt something. I felt something of the Holy Spirit when I landed in that altar And God just continued to pour out on me. I surrendered everything. People ask me all the time, Pastor Mike, what happened to you? I said, I got saved. 
I got filled with the Holy Spirit. I got called into the ministry. All in one fell swoop laying on the ground. I, I was slain in the Spirit. I didn't even know what happened. I woke up and I just knew that God had done a work in my heart. He had done a work in my life. And I really didn't understand all of it. Come on, somebody. You don't have to understand all of it. Amen? When your parent says, hey, I want to take you to Six Flags today, you can get all the turkey legs you want, all the funnel cakes you want. Listen, I'm ready to just get in the car and go and receive the gifts that they're giving me. Amen? It's just how that works. And so the victory of provision, look at this, Romans chapter 8, verse 32. God did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all as a sacrifice for our sin, won't he also give us everything else? Why am I stressed? Why am I worried? Why am I frustrated? God has a plan. God has a timing. God has a purpose in it all. Amen. That point was for me. Okay, God bless you. That was free for y'all. You didn't even need that. That was just at Pastor Mike. Amen. But every time we struggle with a sense of lack, And every time we struggle, we need only look to Calvary. Because every other provision is only a footnote since God has already given us Jesus, the greatest gift of all, the greatest provision of all. And through faith in Him, we experience the release of His provision into our lives day after day after day. Praise God. Amen. Point number three. Two more points. I'm done. The victory is triumph. The victory of triumph over the devil is in the cross. People say, Pastor Mike, I can't, I can't accomplish it. I can't overcome this. I can't beat it. Listen, listen, listen. You can through the cross of Jesus Christ. You can't in your own strength. You can't in your own works. You can't in your own counseling sessions. You can't in your own wisdom. Amen. And when we have a clear understanding about our victory in Jesus Christ, we'll be able to overcome Satan in his attacks upon our lives. Because in Christ's death, Jesus triumphed over sin, death, the world, and the power of Satan. He defeated all our enemies. All our enemies. Did you realize all all our enemies are his enemies? Amen. And through one man, scripture says through one man, Adam and Eve, through Adam, sin entered the world. But through another man, Jesus, sin and death were unequivocally defeated. Unequivocally, chase calling is a word, okay? And unequivocally means this, in a way that leaves no doubt. Isn't that so powerful? Jesus defeated death, hell, the grave. He defeated Satan. He conquered it all with his blood. And he left us with no doubt. Hallelujah. Jesus has also triumphed over the world. That satanic system of evil. It's permeated everything. It's permeated God's order. And leads all men and women into darkness away from God. And we say to ourselves, it's just so bad. It's so bad. It's so bad. Well, when that sin abounds, the Bible says that the grace of God doth much more abound. So even in that kind of darkness, His light still shows up. His light still quenches the darkness. Come on, somebody. And lights up the world. You cannot extinguish the light of Jesus Christ. Praise God. Because of that finished work, 
on the cross. You can share in his victory over the lure of the world, the temptation of the world. You can beat it. You can beat it through the cross of Christ. Jesus has triumphed over Satan. That victory, I love it. I said it earlier, was it won in some dark secret corner? Amen? It was won publicly. And when Jesus cried out, watch this, it is finished or paid in full. He said, Tetaleste, which meant paid in full. It is finished. He was not crying out in weakness. He was not crying out in despair. He was proclaiming publicly the mighty victory of the cross. Hallelujah. And our final point as the worship team comes this morning. See you doubters. Apologize right now. Apologize. In your heart, apologize. Apologize to my face later, will you? <laughs> the victory of healing is in the cross. Stay with me here just for a second. Healing's a taboo conversation that nobody wants to lead in. But in the same way, watch this, that the cross has the power to forgive your sins, it has the power to bring healing to your body. By Christ's precious stripes, your physical healing was attained. It is not the will of God that you live in, it's not the will of God that we live in sickness. It's not the will of God that we live in disease, just like it's not the will of God that we live in sin. Am I making sense? But on the cross, Jesus bought and he paid for our healing. Now sickness and disease no longer have authority over you because by Jesus' stripes you are healed. But can I say something to you as an individual? Can I say something to you as a human being? There have been times I prayed for a healing. And God didn't show up in the way I thought. I think he should have showed up. And there's been times that I've been frustrated. There's been times I've, I've prayed for a healing and I believed God for a healing. And I fasted and I trusted God for that healing. And I received one. And there's other times, Don, that I prayed and I believed and I trusted God for a healing and I didn't get it. Can I talk real for just a second? Can I speak to you for just a second? I've been disappointed. I've been frustrated. I've been through trials and I said, God, where in the world are you? Hey, can I tell you something? That's okay. God's shoulders are big enough. His shoulders are big enough for that conversation. I, 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 can, I, can, I can encourage you in that. My shoulders aren't big enough for that, but God's are. God's are. Amen. And I've been in that space. Amen. I've been, the, I've been the, the frustrated space, the disappointed space. But listen to me. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to stop asking him for a healing. I'm not going to stop believing God for a healing. 
I'm not going to stop trusting him for a healing. I'm not going to stop expecting a healing because God is good and God is kind and God is merciful and God is gracious. Come on, somebody. But I'm going to pray and I'm going to have complete and utter confidence in his decisions for my life because scripture still states and declares and prophesies in Psalm 103 verse 3 that he forgives all my sins and heals all of my diseases. Death is the consequence of the fall of mankind. It overtakes us all and most commonly recruits illness as its vehicle. When Christ returns, no disease will stain God's creation. But for now, we wait and we groan as our bodies wither. Amen. And we may perceive our healing to be the greatest good. But God's wisdom surpasses even the most impressive reaches of our understanding. I cannot, listen, I cannot bend the will of God to resemble my own. I'm unable to do that. I know this about the healing power of God. And I know this about heaven. I will be healed. Fully healed. Eternally healed. Mind, body, soul, and spirit. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but when I get to heaven, I'll be able to see all that I could not have had the ability to have seen on this earth. Come on, somebody. But I'm going to trust God anyways. He's more than able. He's more than able to accomplish what we need in our hearts and what we need in our lives. Hallelujah. Will you stand with me all over the building this morning? Nothing shall be impossible to them that believe. That's what scripture teaches us and encourages us in. As our prayer team comes this morning, you say, Pastor Mike, I'm facing some impossible situations. You may be listening to us online and you may be facing some impossible situations. God is more than able and we're here to believe with you. We want to lay hands on you. We want to trust God together. We want to pray the prayer of faith. We want to believe that God is exceedingly able to touch your heart and to touch your life. You say, Pastor, I'm needing a miracle in my life. I'm needing a miracle in my family. And all I know how to do is just trust God. Becca, I remember my grandmother was in a car wreck and she was paralyzed from the waist down. I was 11, 10, 11, 12 years old. Every time we got together, we prayed for her. And we believed. Man, I put my faith out there. I trusted God. Put my faith out. And I believed God was going to heal her. I never got to see her healed on this earth. But I watched small healings in her body throughout my whole life. I remember seeing her in a wheelchair. She could do nothing. She was in a halo. They had this metal thing all over her body and and these bolts were literally driven into her skull so she could move nothing and do nothing for a long time then she was able to sit up and then she was able to sit in a wheelchair on her own I remember that day I remember when she was able to feed herself 
with a fork. That may seem like nothing to you, but to her it was a challenge she had to get back to and to overcome something that they said she would never be able to do. She couldn't control her hand, so her hand was crippled like this. But my grandfather, he fashioned this leather strap and this fork, and he bent it just right where she could literally feed herself. And then I watched her exercise bike. I watched her on her exercise bike. Not with her legs, though, but with her arms. And she was working out. She was working out. I said, Grandma, what can I get you for lunch today? She said, would you make me a Reuben sandwich? I said, girl, you know I will. I'll be right back. She said, I want one right after my workout. And I watched simple healings. I watched, I watched simple deliverances in her life and in her body. And, and I watched God do something that I, I, didn't, I didn't recognize at the time. I didn't see at the time. Because I wanted, I wanted her just to jump up like Scripture says in, in the book of Acts. And just, she was walking and leaping and praising God. But on the moment she took her final breath on this earth, she was running like the athletes of this earth in heaven. Didn't need to take no breaths. Come on, somebody. She's running in a heavenly body. And I can't wait to get to heaven to make her another Reuben sandwich because I'm the best Reuben sandwich maker of all time. She knows it. She told me. Amen. What do you need? God to do in your heart. What do you need God to do in your life today? I believe that he'll heal all of our sins. He, he will forgive us of all of our sins and he will heal all of our diseases. I believe that. And walking in that space and walking in that faith. If you're, you're praying for somebody, you're believing God for a healing, you're believing God for a miracle, you're believing God for a miracle in your family, a miracle in your marriage, it, it might not be a physical healing, but it might be an emotional healing that you need. It might be a space that you need to walk into so you can become the person. Remember, unbecome this person and become the person that God wants you to be, we were talking about last week. I want to give you an opportunity to pray, an opportunity to come before God right here in this house. So you bow your heads with me all over the all over the all over the chapel this morning. God, I thank you for your children. I thank you for your people. God, I thank you today, God, that you heal all of you forgive all of our sins, God, and you heal all of our diseases, God. And we trust you today, God. We trust you to move, God. We trust you to work, God. We trust you today, Father God. God, to acknowledge our cry, God, our call for you today, God. That you would meet needs, God. That you would minister to hearts, God, in ways that we never dreamed of, thought of, or imagined. If there's anybody under the sound of my voice that needs a touch, they need a miracle, they need a healing work in their heart and in their life, we want you to come right now. I don't want you to waste another moment. I don't want you to take another second. I want you to get down here. We want to pray for you. We want to believe God with you this morning. Come on. Will you do that? Will you take that moment? God bless you. 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 Come on, young lady. Go ahead. Come on. I know God's going to move in your heart. He's going to move in your life. You might be under the sound of my voice this morning. Pastor Mike, I don't know Jesus Christ as my Lord, and I don't know him as my Savior. But you've preached a word to my heart this morning, and I feel the Holy Spirit speaking to me. And I need to say yes to Jesus. I need to do it right now. Would you just slip your hand up? That's me, Pastor. I need to say yes to Jesus. God bless you, young lady. God bless you, young lady. Anyone else this morning? Anyone else this morning? Say, that's me, Pastor. I need to be saved. I need to commit my heart. I need to commit my life to God right now in the name of Jesus. Is there anyone else? Come on, I want to wait on you. I want to wait on you. I know God wants to move in your heart and move in your life. Will you pray for us? God bless you, sir. God bless you. God bless you. 
Would you come down? Would you guys come down right over here, young lady? Would you come, sir? Would you come over here? I want to pray with you. We, we want to pray with you this morning.